he's trying to. In the movie he's making is a uh, Megalopolis. And, yeah, it's, a, it's 120 mil sci-fi epic about you know. Yeah, dude, Tetro was a fucking phenomenal movie. So it's a good movie, and that has Young Hunt, Young Hunt Solo in it. Uh, pre, you know, pre Solo, of course. Pre Solo, and it's post somewhere. Because he comes out in somewhere yeah, for one brief me. scene, yeah. like one little scene. You've told me, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing scene. But um, you know, but I don't know. Will America still be around by then? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no one's asking that. You know, <laughs> of course. You know, where do they still be around? Right? Even Maybe. If, Who knows what happens to Russia? I don't know. Russia? Yeah. Who knows dun, what happens? They'll invade Ukraine. Keep going. He says no. Political science expert Nick Lopez says no. <laughs> Based on my sources. He says they're going to choke. They're going to pull back. Yeah. That's all, all right, he knows. He won't let's, tell let's, me anymore. Let's get this started here because I'm no political science expert. Like, I'm just a working class Mexican, right? Yeah, all right, yeah, here we go, Bobo. That's, that's what you say. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> that's why Sorry. Might be lying. You want, which one do you want to do first? Stolen kids? Antoine Qual- All right, let's do Antoine Qual- All right, here we go. Let's get to your favorite part. Favorite part of Antoine Collette? Uh, of the podcast, which is naming the casts oh. and the character they play. No, can you do this one? Because I didn't write down the I cast. didn't write it down either. All right, let me get out the sources then. Hold on. John, John Pierre Lord, he plays on, he pays a- Of course. He plays a Antoine Bonnell, mm-hmm. as we all know. Yeah. And this movie, he, he's like, what, 15, 16 years old? He has to be. He's very young. Yeah, and, um, and he, is could, it- he could have turned it a lot worse. I yeah. thought it was a great performance. Oh yeah, I mean, age. like as a character, as a person. Oh, you know, you're talking about Antoine Duanel. Yeah. yeah, he could have, you know, been like some sort of uh, arsonist or something. He could have ended some up, sort of like, yeah, a robber or something, a murderer. You never know. I mean, yeah. So we got Jean Pierre Laud. Yeah. Reprising his role as uh, Antoine Duanel. We got Patrick Ouffe as Rene, his, his friend, all grown up. Rene. Rene. Yeah. And then we have Marie France Pissier. As Colette, sure. Jean Francois Adam as Albert Tassi, and Rosie Vardy as Colette's mother, and Francois Darbon as Colette's stepfather. So, this movie, the short, I should say, thirty minutes long. It's on the Criterion right now as we speak. You can check it out there. But it's pretty much, you know, Antoine, you know, post four hundred blows. He's mm. working at a factory pressing mm. vinyl because he loves music. And in the opening narration that says like he's living, he's kind of living his dream, independent, paying his own bills, living on his own, right? And then one day he notices the beautiful Colette in a theater, right? right? Was it a concert? It's a concert, It's a concert, right? Yeah. Symphony's gone. Yeah. It's a very uh, different uh, portrait of uh, youth culture than the one we have now, isn't it? Yeah, there's almost like a sophistication <laughs> to back then. Yeah. It's weird. They're like, yeah, I saw it at a concert. It's like symphony, right? Orchestra or something. Yeah, and then they go like go out, go to lectures on experimental music. Right? Yeah, it's kind of it's, it's like avant-garde stuff. It's So this is 1962, so rock and roll was only like four years old, sure. right? Five years old. So they're not going oh. to like a rock and roll club yet. You know what I mean? So... I can see why they would go there. But, yeah, they're like young bohemian types, right? French. Intellectuals. And they actually look decent. They always trip on and, like, help 
fucking decent the people dress in these yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Like cleaned up, you know, they got great coats and scarves and shirts. They had good material back then, the you tie know. And the material. Yeah. Yeah. Good fabric, you know. It reminds me of those maroon pants you always wear. Those are great pants. I don't know what you're talking I about. I fucking love those pants. But like, pants. yeah, okay. they look decent, sure, right? Sure. We look back in it now and we're like, it's just so weird that they just dress up everywhere they go. It's just weird. And I'm like, this is your brain damaged Bond character. I dude. like it. I like the way people dress back then. Uh-huh. The 60s and 70s. Yeah, it's great. But um, what can you say about Antoine and Colette? It's about, <laughs> uh, you know, it's about the- A love the... entanglement. Sure. Right? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but pretty much he gets friend zoned. Let's put it bluntly yeah. for the millennials out there. He for gets the friend zoned. He gets, he gets ghosted even though he even though he moves across gets, the street. He gets cucked, as they say. He gets the cut. Right yeah. leaning uh circles. He gets cucked. Is that what happens? Colette. I don't know. Well yeah, like uh she she's like he's having like dinner with uh his parents. Her, her parents, parents yeah. and then he, she shows up. Albert shows up. Yeah, and which we later see in Stolen Kisses. I love the way he looks. He looks like Clark Kent in uh, Stolen Kisses. Yeah. Uh, he seems very unamused by running into Antoine. Oh, no, I think he kind of smiles. Like, oh, it's Antoine. He's like, oh, let's get fucking through this. Let's get fucking He's like, look at my baby that I had no. with Colette. Colette looks stunning. He's miserable. You know? I like how she, how they just randomly show up in Stolen Kisses. They're like walking across the street. Yeah, that's life. That's a great touch. And... um but yeah, Antoine Colette's very much about, you know, trying to be, what, trying to flirt, trying to, like, get girls. Trying to seduce teenager. a girl. You're trying much. to be sophisticated and adult-like. Yeah. But uh, they don't, uh, doesn't They don't respond. Him. You know, yeah, he, he's poor, he, essentially. He, you know, like, he, he gets good with the parents. The parents yeah. love him so much. Parents always love Antoine. And then they're like, yeah, they're like, oh, Antoine, you know, have dinner with us, yeah. right? And then he tries to make a move on Colette in the theater. Uh-huh. Right, and he, then like she lets him hold her hand. Mm. Bad move. She never should have done that. <laughs> then you know, like he goes in for the big one, the kiss, and it's a violent, terrible kiss. It's like one of the worst moves. Well, that's his move. He doesn't know what to do. He just sort of like grabs yeah. onto her arm and pulls her. Yeah, and pulls on her face. Really, it's weird. It's a weird. You know, there's no way we could watch this in this era of Me Too and all that stuff. Well, he's, be, just, he's an awkward young he's man. A predator. In twenty two, twenty two, twenty two, young man. He just no. That's what I'm he saying. He was raised in uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Orphanages. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. He's an awkward young man, <laughs> uh-huh. and there's a big difference between awkward young man and being a predator esque. So you know, watching this now, I'm like, yeah, he's an awkward young guy out of the reformatory school, right? They, so it's uh-huh. just you know, I felt very bad for Antoine, but that's love. That's love at twenty. Right. Sure. Yeah. So how about uh, his friend Renee, who's trying to date his cousin? Oh yeah. Sick fuck. Weirdo. What's your policy in cousins, Nick? I like how they include in a back in. Oh, okay. No you know. Oh, go. What's your question? <laughs> what's your policy on cousins? Policy on cousins. Yeah. What do you think? So if you're trying to date my cousin, what if you have a cousin? What if I have you're a cousin? Attracted to and I'm attracted to my cousin. Do? That's I just that's weird. I don't Second know. cousin. I'm not cousin. into that. But back then they were all like, you know, it's, oh, it's just my cousin. You yeah, know? you know, like FDR. Is that is that what's going on? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole royal family, right? Aren't they intermarried cousins? Right. I'm sure. 
probably. Don't quote me on that. I don't want to get pillaged. Trying to keep the bloodlines pure, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, that was normal back then. So now we're just like, ugh, cousins. You know what I mean? Yeah, my grandparents, I think, are cousins. Yeah, see? I have that in my lineage, too, like back then. Yeah. I think there was a married cousin or something. But I was just like, you know. lazy. It's bizarre. Freakish thing. Yeah, they used to be more popular because of, like, you know, it's like if you lived in the middle of nowhere and there was yeah. no cars or automobiles or free will for anybody you know what i mean like yeah. uh-huh. they're just like yeah you know your cousin she lives down the street you're gonna marry her you're gonna take over my farm and grow vegetables and have six kids and that'll be that so you know it's 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 kind of uh you know bizarre but that's what it was back then but yeah renee's a bit of a twisted guy granted he was in a reformatory school no he was so. the good one Oh, he was the good one. He yeah. never ended up going. He never got caught. Never got caught. But he, he's bullshit. a travieso, though. He's not a good... Yeah, he is. He's not a good kid. So... Um, but yeah, it's just a little small snapshot of what it's like to be a teenager in the 60s in France. Yeah, it looks fucking cool. Yeah. It looks like it was cheap, cheaper to live. Definitely. It looks like there was a lot of shit to do. You could go to a cafe. You could go to a fucking theater. Yeah. A movie theater. Music. Tons of pretty people. Museums. Women and men. Beautiful french people right yeah and we are just entering like the whole sexual revolution you know the pill gets introduced yeah so yeah people are free willing it man pre-aids and hiv they're just going in and out and free willing it so yeah there was those are the days i guess different time but yeah it looked like uh kind of like you know a beautiful place to be so i really like the way he captured uh you know the city he does a great truffaut does a great job of capturing like Paris, mm-hmm. the city, you know, like okay, let's get to stolen kisses. Okay. So like stolen kisses <laughs> here, uh, the way it's filmed is beautiful, right? What year is it from? Sixty-eight. All right, let's yeah, let's get to the stolen kisses now. So we're moving on. So this uh, movie here from nineteen sixty-eight, filmed what seven years, six years after Antoine yeah, Collette, five or six years after. This is a a much more turbulent time. You got the protests. Yep. Sixty-eight in May. You got Henry Langlois. He was let go from the French cinema tech. A lot of strife. Yeah. A lot of fights. A lot of fights. It was a different revolution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mexico all over the world. Yeah. You had, as you say, you know, this was uh, starring Godard's Marxist period. Yeah, we're going full Marxist here. With the, what's it called? The Ziga Vertov group. Oh, yeah. Started making movies with those guys. Maybe girls. Never know. Nick doesn't seem to be as into this period as uh, I am. You know, Boris is obsessed with this period. I know very little, so I'll I let you like go. I just like the color, buddy. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of great color. Yeah. I don't know that much about the whole Marxist period. You know what I mean? Like He went deep. He went all the way. Yeah, he went all the way from the movies I've seen. I mean, I've seen Pierre Lefeu, so I mean like... No, that's not. Really, it's not? It's not? It's the weekend? beginning, but that doesn't weekend. really count. He goes deep, deep. Weekend, right? Yeah, I guess. There so. you weekend, go. weekend. What's another one? Man in the USA. Man in the USA. That's Karina. another one. I was trying to remember. I was in Man in the USA, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's all political and stuff. Anyway, and... Come back to Truffaut. It's Truffaut. He wasn't going to get as political as Godard would, would be later. No, he see, it feels like he just kind of did his own thing. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, he just sort of went mainstream, you could say. Yeah, for the time being. Yeah, that's true. Godard yeah. was doing like radical stuff. You know, he was like, you know, we're going to test the audience. Yeah. We're going to make you think. Right, that make you think. Yeah, I guess so. And different uh, stuff. Truffaut wanted to, you know, tell a nice story about a guy fucking around Paris. 
Yeah. Being a little awkward. Old Stolen bitch. kisses. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen sixty-eight. That's right. Huh. Uh, what is the second feature? This is the second feature in the series, right? Yeah. Right before Bed and Board. Third film overall. Third film overall. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got uh, Truffaut as a director, right? And then we got That's the co-writer. Right. He's got a co-writer here. Does he? Claude D. Givray. He helped them co-write uh, Bed and Board as well. In addition, we also have Bernard Raval co-writing as well. But uh, yeah, the title, I didn't know this. You know, the title is based off a French song, right? Charles uh, Charles Trenet. That song okay. is used throughout the movie. Who did the score for this movie? Who did the score? LaRue? LaRue. I think it's LaRue. LaRue? Yeah. Hiroshima Mon Amour. Yeah, he was a great French composer. Worked for everybody. Whoever's listening out there, if someone could get the Hiroshima Mon Amour on, on streaming, like the actual soundtrack on like, you know, streaming, that'd be awesome because that's a great score. Yeah, he also did uh, Contempt too. Yeah, I did a lot of movies. I did a ton, right? Anyway, um, yeah, what do you want to say about this movie? <laughs> All right. Well, first off, I love the character of Christine, played by uh, Claude Jade. Yeah. You know, she was, it's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Also, her parents, too. I enjoy her parents. They're very nice. They're very nice, open people. Well, who do we have? We got Danielle Cisaldi as the father, and then, as, and sure. then we got Claire Duhamel as the mother, right? I love them. They're great. You know? They you know, they love Antoine, the parents. And they kind of feel bad for him probably. But like, here's this guy What's well, stories all this time, right? It's a nice guy, you know, he dresses well, he's cultured. But the girl, the daughter, doesn't really care for that. She wants some sort of, you know, danger. At yeah. least the money, right? What? Some, at least the money or some sort of fame or, you know, prestige. A little bit. And I'm trying to know, yeah, he, yeah, he's a working class guy. He just works, buddy. He's poor. He can't afford the big things in life. You know? No, he's just a regular dude. Just and somehow he dude. stumbles into these situations. Yeah. Like the way this movie is written is beautiful. It's very comical. It's comical. It's like a yeah. Pink Panther episode or something, especially when you get to the like <laughs> the detective sequences. Yeah. But like, you know, Antoine, what what does he start as? A night porter? Right. Security guard? He immediately gets tricked. Yeah. By a private detective. By a private detective. Mr. Henry. And then that private detective catches someone's wife yeah. in bed. And his wife looks like 20 years old. The guy looks like 50. He looks disgusting. <laughs> He's bald. It's a lot of bad food and coffee and cigarettes. He immediately starts, uh, well, they walk into the room. He does a very funny thing. It's just like she starts immediately ripping yeah. his wife's clothes. And not very yeah, well though, because the, the fabric is too good. And then the PI the is fabric like, fabric is too hard doing? to rip. Yeah, right. She's like, "What are you doing? Good material. What are you doing? You know what I mean?" So he's like, "Here, throw the, throw the, throw the flowers," and throw he like flower, throws the flowers yeah, at the her, vase, not the vase. Throws the vase against yeah. the wall. Crazy. Yeah, love that sequence. Obviously, um, comically written, beautiful. And yeah, Antoine just stands there against the wall like In a shock. little child. Yeah, turning around, shielding his eyes almost. Like he just, pretends to. He just wants. He just wants to get a look. A looking over his shoulder. Yeah. So, what was I saying? That's a beautiful sequence. It's comical. It's comical. And then it leads him to becoming a PI. This sequence is great. Between the PI and Antoine, the intercutting right here, and they're going client to client. Look, that place serves great pork and lentils on Thursday. Beautiful. Yeah. I saw that. I couldn't stop laughing. Just boom, boom, the cutting. Amazing. Mr. Henry. Great character. Yeah. So. R.I.P. When he died, do you know? At the end of the movie. Oh, at the end. Oh, yeah. Mr. I thought you were talking dies. about real life. I was like, yeah, yeah. recently or something? But yeah, no. the way he dies is tragic. 
Yeah, I don't, you know. Yeah, trying to pull a con and uh, yeah, yeah drops dead. <laughs> yeah, that's it. What are you gonna do? Oh, and then the <laughs> the the head. I don't know. The head of the PI agency is like, you can hang up now. Mr. Yeah, he Henry picks up the died. phone. Whoever Mister Henry was on the phone with, he's yeah. like, uh, Mister Henry's dead. You can hang up, and he now. hangs up. Yeah, and that's it. So it's a very bizarre scene. Not very bizarre, but um, Antron drops by Christine's house. Yes. Knocks on the door. Is yes. Christine here? Yeah. Mom says no. Nope. Christine but, runs out. But he, but yeah, but like he's like, oh, sure, I, I should leave. But like the mom's like, no, pulls him in. Yeah. Come Christine on in. leaves around the side. What's going on there? They're in cahoots. They're yeah, they are. In cahoots. They're in cahoots. Yeah, they are. Where's she going? Why the disrespect? I don't know, but they love Antoine though. That's a weird thing. Yeah, oh. it's a it's a very interesting relationship they have, Christine and Antoine. It's a yeah. push and pull. They've been uh, seeing each other for two years, and uh, same time, they just seem like friends. Yeah, it's weird. He's almost getting friend zoned again in this movie. But like, he's also constantly visiting prostitutes. So that's the first he thing he does. Two or three, right? He's discharged from yeah. the army. That's the way the movie opens. He's discharged yeah, yeah. from the army, and then what? Goes to a, a prostitute. prostitute, but the prostitute's like, I don't want to take off my sweater. Don't I don't want to do anything. The lazy prostitute. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, she lazy. has rights. She can say none of those things. Oh yeah, definitely she can. But then but, she, you know, but then like things. Antoine is fed up with this kind of bullshit, so he leaves. Yeah, finds another prostitute. Yep. She seems a lot more amenable to like what he wants to do. Yeah. So anyway, as he's going down the stairs. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a like, it's a bordello. So I mean, you could probably find two or three different. Prostitutes. Yeah. Is it legal out there? Maybe <laughs> I'm not sure if during it was this time back, period, but... who knows? But um, right here is that the walls were shaking. Obviously, lying about the tall girl and the tall girl. Yeah, yeah. He obviously didn't get anywhere. Yeah, you feel bad for him. He's very much a, a prototype of, for like George Costanza. Very Costanza. Yes, very Costanza esque. Yeah, yeah. Def- wandering. You know, it's lying. almost like Costanza meets Jerry. I think it's like a, a little bit of Kramer. Mix. A little bit of Kramer. It's all three in one. Christine's a little bit of a lane. Yeah. 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 The big salad. But anyway, she becomes a PI. And he's almost on the verge of leaving the PI organization. Or at least they're scolding him a lot. Well, he has to go undercover at that shoe store. Then he becomes undercover at the shoe store and he falls in love with Fabian. Right? The, 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 boss's the shoe wife. owner's shoe store owner's wife. Yeah. Very funny guy because he he goes to the detective agency because he thinks that everyone hates them. Not a single person in the world likes Mister Fabian. He seems like a nasty dude. Let me get the actress's name. I don't know. He's like one of those guys. He's mean to his wife. Delphine Seyried played uh, Fabian. So he's kind of mean to his wife. You know that dinner scene. He's sort of like a very you know supercilious. Very uh, stone-faced sort of guy. He is kind of stone-faced. No sense of humor about himself. No. No sense of joy about life. No, but Antoine's going about his work as the PI. He's so in it that he seems to, like, ignore the girls there, the young ladies. And they're talking. And they're like, Antoine, you know, that young stock guy, he is pretty good-looking, you know? He's pretty good-looking. And he, meanwhile, he still has his eye on Christine. But he's also enamored with Fabian. Yeah, has very much a much uh, what's what do they call it? A one-track mind. He yeah. zeroes in on somebody and he focuses all his attention on them. Do you think that's a true story? I'm sure he's lying. He's okay. a liar. Yeah, we're talking about the the one 
Antoine's delivering this like monologue to the secretary at the private detective agency. Isn't that um about a naughty Christine's nanny parents, number? Mom? Is that Christine's mom? It kind of looks like her. Is that her? I think it is. And like then the dad comes in. He can't no, he find comes the address. in. That's right. Yeah. He's like, oh, and then he pulls on his like PI tricks. Yeah. See, that's probably true. Sure. His fascination with Fabian though is like drives the movie though into this weird cool place i don't know how to describe yeah, I it i wanted to ask you about that truthful has this sort of a lack of known narrative momentum yeah that movie's like very chill it's not in a hurry to get anywhere <laughs> it's very chill yeah it's like it's you, very chill if you see a, an american comedy from the same time period you, there's like this uh it's like a roller coaster it is a, it's you, going up and up and up and up. you would get like a frank sinatra movie like my pal joey or you would get sure. like a Jerry Lewis movie. It'd be outrageous. This happens, <laughs> that happens. You know, like a Vincent Minnelli movie. Yeah, yeah, like this, uh, this building, this uh, yeah, just, momentum and tragedy. Just keep going and, and going and going. But you don't get that. You just yeah. get some guy hanging out. Yeah, it's a book. Places. It's a novel, in my opinion. Sort of. It's very novelized. Even novels have that sort of momentum, though. And here he's just happy, to, like you know, keep it up. And it's like a real. Uh, it's hard to describe. It's like a Ferris wheel or something. I agree. They're going around, taking a look at the heights. So Fabian drives the movie, right, into this new spot. Sure. And he becomes obsessed with her, and uh-huh. she becomes obsessed with him. And there's that beautiful scene where you, where it's her and him alone, right, uh-huh. after lunchtime. And then she's like, do you like music, Antoine? As she puts on a record. Do you mind opening the door for him? And then... And then he goes, "Yes, sir," and then boom, groundbreaking. Oh yeah, it's a it's a steady buildup of awkwardness until he makes the tragic mistake of calling her sir, and he shoots out, runs, trips, falls down the stairs, starts crying. Can't believe he's ruined this one chance with yeah. Fabian. Have you had those moments in your life? That run out out of embarrassment. Not run out, but like you've. You've had those moments where it's just like, I fucked up. Sure, all the time. Yeah, especially with a woman. It's like one of the worst feelings you could have as a guy. Yeah. It's it's a young thing, though. You got to get over it. You do it's not that big of a it. deal. Yeah. But what is he, like 19 or 20? He's supposed to be, right? Yeah. In this movie. And um, still very much, you know, they're really matured. So much child. Arrested development. Right? Yeah. He is a bit strange. Well, no, the way he grew up, yeah, obviously, you know, can tell why he is that way. Yeah. Could have been worse, like I said. Could have been arsonist, as you said. Yeah, it could be like a bank robber, pervert. It's really kind of a pervert, but, you know, it could be a <laughs> pervert. <laughs> he is kind of a pervert. But anyway, he ends up hooking up with Fabian toward the end, right? Yeah. She comes on to him and goes to his apartment. Yeah. So then she's like, it's just going to be this thing where we hook up this one time. Yeah. And that's it. They, and, both, they both read Balzac. That's the thing they bond over. Yeah, and it's a bit strange. But it's a, it's an agreeable thing. But then he goes back to Christine. You know, yeah, Christine, he, has to, he plays hard to get. He breaks up with her. Yeah. He becomes a TV repairman. He becomes a TV repairman, yeah. And this is the interesting thing that usually you would have a filmmaker or a screenwriter lead you to lead to, um, you know how he gets into a car crash with, with uh, Christine's dad? Yeah. You would have the screenwriter being like, have her dad tell her, oh, he's a TV repairman now. Yeah. You should give him a call. 
And then she does her whole thing and where she like fucks up the TV. Yeah. And has him come over. But Truffaut just skips all over that. He just lets yeah, the audience that's what yeah. make the connections. I like that. Yeah. It nice. was kind of just said, oh, yeah, you know what she's going to do. She loves Antoine here. Christine is beautiful in this movie, too, you know? She's a weirdo. She's weird, huh? Yeah. She's weird like Antoine. They both... They're both... You can see why they get married, yeah. Yeah, they're both fucking weirdos. Yeah, and so... Still, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with her. She's like playing hard to get sometimes. Yeah, she's a little she's awkward. Like, yeah, she's awkward, doesn't know. Like she's sneaking out. Like she might be dumb, but she's not dumb. I don't know how she to pretends it. to be dumb. Pretends to be dumb. You can tell she's smart though, and um, yeah. But you, could, I can totally see why they get married. You know, the color of this movie is amazing too. I love the yeah, colors. Sort of muted colors, but at the same time, you got the whole spectrum there. You got the red. And it's got, got that like pre 70s feel gorilla look to it. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, what's the shot on? 16? 35? What I do probably you probably I don't know. One okay. of the two. But, you know, the way it's filmed is so beautiful. The muted colors, the topes, the grays. Yeah, the it's greens. very much a, a take, like, like a 60s French. Yeah film lovers take on 30s screwball comedies 30s screwball comedies i see that the thin man sort of norge sort of comedy yeah you know sort of like a parody now what do you think of that guy who goes into the agency and is like follow this person remember he cries he's like what when they tell him the news yeah it's uh he thought he had a boyfriend and he doesn't doesn't have a boyfriend i think that's one of the best scenes of the movie yeah it's a it's a very interesting what Truffaut does with the narrative, in that those kind of moments you would expect to have some sort of, um, what would you call it? You know, you expect Antoine to be somehow involved with that story, but no, it just takes place in the background. Piece. It's this weird side piece yeah. that's going on, and then they're like, "Quick, get the dentist!" As the man goes crazy, yeah, and, he, and then the dentist just comes, comes in, and slaps, and him. slaps him a couple times, and yeah. And Why? Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Yeah, I love this. It's interesting and staring narratively in such a small way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wish you could see that more often, but you know, screenwriting teachers doesn't probably, drive that. Yeah, doesn't screenwriting drive teachers probably be like, whose scene is it? Yeah, whose scene is it, man? If this scene doesn't develop the character or advance the plot, why is it here? Why is it here? Why would you put that in your script? You're wasting the audience's time. And why are you dressed up, too? We're t-shirts and jeans, man. Anyway, I like this scene of Albert and (laughs) and Colette here, and they have the baby. And Antoine's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I was in love with you. Now you have a husband and a baby. Nice to see you, man. Well, he fought that, but he didn't really know her. Right? He didn't really know Colette, no. No. He's just kind of like, you know, he's in love. Antoine is very much like a physical... When he's trying to, like, date somebody, he has, like, the physical approach of, like, a Woody Allen. He does. He gets awkward. Where he, like, grabs onto their arms. Yeah. It's very weird. But it is hilarious, though, to see. But I love the look, too. Let's go back to the look. Who's the DP on this one? John Pierlevin, like, turned out to be, like, a very comic performer. He's very good. Denise Clairval is the DP. He's funny. Antoine is a, yeah. He's a good physical comedian. He is. He knows how to be funny and the way that delivers lines. Antoine, though, here, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, he's did weird. See, did you see a lot of yourself in Antoine? Do I what? See a lot of yourself? Not really. Really? <laughs> a lot of you watching. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of people tell me this. You're the third person who's told me that. Oh, no, yeah. It's or fourth, you. actually. Like, even the look. <laughs> like, people have told me. <laughs> I remember my coworker at a place I used to work at. She sent okay. me. She sent me. I'm going to name the place. But, like, she sent me a photo of Antoine. And this is, like, after, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get that a lot. They're like, do you remember Antoine Donnell? I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you. I'm, you know, he's a, he's a fucking awesome guy. I like him, you know. He's doing his best. Doing his best. You seem competent in every job he works at. But yeah. <laughs> I identify with that a lot because I feel like I'm incompetent. I, honestly, I, I feel like I identify with him a lot too. Like yeah. just like uh, his obsession with music, uh, you know, um, falling in and out of love. Frequently busying prostitutes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's you. That's you. <laughs> what else? You know how he's just wandering. I like how he just seems uh, undeterred by everything that happens to him. He just doesn't give up. Und- that's that. He would. Here. He would get like anyone else. He would just constantly get fired. He would just get depressed. Yeah, you get depressed. You'd feel and you feel bad would start about questioning. He just you know keeps going. He'll, he'll be like, yeah. You oh, just question why something else. God is doing that to you. You it's know, like the bizarre self confidence he has. Yeah. No, I do see a lot of myself in there, but good look wise too. Yeah, it's weird. It's very bizarre. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, "This guy's this guy's a weirdo." I was like, "He is a weirdo." When I saw him in Four Hundred Blows, and then I saw Stolen Kisses, and there was that other Godard movie. I forgot what Godard movie it was, but I was like, Who's "He's this? in Masculine Feminine, right?" He's in that one, but he's in another one. I want to say, yeah, I forgot which one though. But there's Pierre in Pierre Lafeu. He has like a like does a he brief? He's in the th- he's in that theater. Um, and they're watching like a newsreel about like Vietnam or something, and uh, Jean Morneau is on screen, and then like it cuts back to who's it, Jean Paul, right? Sure, Bellamondu. Yeah, he's, a, he's the lead. Yeah, he's like watching the newsreel, and then right below him in the frame, you can see uh, Jean Pierre, Lord Antoine you know himself. What, you know that sequence when he goes to or, that party, Sam Fuller. Sam Fuller is there. Yeah, the room he goes into is a different color. I love that sequence. Yeah. yeah. Just, and his wife's like cheating on him. She's like getting ready to. Is that in that scene? I'm pretty sure it's like in one of those scenes. I just thought that maybe so. Much. And she was flirting with somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great scene. Very underrated scene with the colors and everything. Um also he comes out in uh Jean Pierre comes out in what's it called? Alphaville. He does? Yeah, he brings they're at a hotel or no, they're at the place. I'm trying to remember. There's somewhere. And it's Anna Karina and Con Constantine, right? And uh, he yeah, comes wedding. in with a cart, like briefly pushing a cart. And uh, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing in here? But yeah, I think he, he plays the car- same character. It, he does. <laughs> if you bring up, you know, if we watch the scene, it's very awkward in that scene. It's great. But uh, but yeah, man, I mean, Antoine's great, you know? There's something about him in these movies that's so yeah. special. John Pierre Leod, what a guy. Especially in a like bed and board too, like that one's. I think these two, Stolen Kisses and Bed and Board, are so. Uh, I don't know. There's something special about them. Those two middle movies, you know. Yeah, he's sort of a. I don't know. Every man, I guess you could call him an every man. I mean, a lot of people would say they're not like this guy. I think they are. Yeah, there's a lot of. I know a lot of people like this guy. But I like a lot him. of people like Stanza, you know? Like a lot of people have a George Constanza. Can't stand, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There is a George Constanza here know. to see you. Yeah, they deny it. And it's like, kind of a Constanza, right? I try now. to play it cool. 
They're not like that. They're like, I'm a, you know, I'm a banya. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, oh, I'm a banya. I'm a Kramer. There you go. Yeah, Kramer. I'm a Kramer, I'm right? I'm a Kramer. I'm like, nah, you're kind of a Costanza. You know? Yeah. I'm a banya. I think the banya is like, that's like the worst one you could get, actually. Gold, Why? Jerry. Gold. This is a hack. What's wrong with banya? I like the episode when Jerry bombs on stage on purpose. Uh-huh. So banya could bomb, right? He's wearing those like hats. Because he steals his jokes, right? Yeah. Yeah, the suspenders and everything. Yeah. Bombs. But the colors of this movie, back to that, the mal- it's like melodrama yes. meets New Wave. It's like a Douglas Sirk movie in some way. I don't know how to describe it. Sort of. I mean, times. I think we're just not used to seeing color anymore. Like this type of color. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like completely right. saturated in digital. So we're yeah. like, when we see actual color. I think the Spencer movie. We're like, whoa. Right? Pablo Lorraine. What about it? That movie was so beautiful to look at. I haven't seen it. Check it out. It looks like a that Isn't color. Is that digital though? I don't know what he it used. Looks digital. But the colorization and the lighting of that movie is like special. I don't know. It looks like a it looks like a '90s Gap ad meets like I don't know if I don't know if this is show my age, but like on the back of Kodak, like the film, yeah, the disposable cameras. They would have this look. Like the pictures they would use on the back of the packaging, right? It looks like that. Nineties uh, film. What's it called? Kodak Gold. Yeah, it looks something like that. Like just so beautiful looking. Bright like, colors that would burn your eyes out. No. Oh, burn your eyes out. Burn your eyes out. Um, I like this scene where he's obviously the worst. Yeah, he sucks. He's just incompetent. But it's a miracle. He's still going. This is hard to do. Yeah, could have just hired him. Like, I don't know, the pretenses of like having all these candidates show up and waste their time. But anyway, yeah. What else you got in your notes? Well, I didn't know this was nominated for best foreign film. Yeah, that's awesome. I can see why. We need more movies like this: ninety minutes comedies, a little slice of life. And then that last scene with that weirdo at the end. What was that it's about? Not a weirdo. It's it's him. It's his mirror image. That's stuff he does. Yeah, that's true. And he sees it happening to somebody else, and he's like, oh, that's me. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So pretty much there's this weirdo guy obsessed with Christine comes up to them in the uh, park, comes mm-hmm. up to Antoine and Christine, he's, and, he, and this guy is like, I've loved you, and I've seen you, afar, watching you from afar. There's the guy she shit that Antoine does all the time. Yeah, and it's, it's a mirror image, you're right. And he's like, oh, that's what I come off as? I better stop doing that then. And he just walks off, having grown a little bit wiser. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Just, I don't know, that was so strange, that scene. Not really strange. I like it, though. Like, you see him two times before, and you, like, wonder what's happening. Yeah, well, it's a PI. That's a... Is it... Yeah, because, like, the music that's playing, the score, that's what it's leading you to think. And it leads you to something else, which is much more funnier and uh, revealing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mirror image, right? That sounds strange. A little doppelganger. Yeah. Guy's a little older than himself. You can see, oh, that's who I'm going to turn into one day. That's terrible. It looks like he has gray skin. Yeah, but more than that, it's, like the, it's the thing about like following someone for a week. And that's then, true. Like, confessing their love and being like, I don't have a job, but yeah. I'm making you my own occupation. Yeah. And then girls are like, ew. Yeah, it's weird. And it's weird because they're like, I just want a guy who's going to make me the priority. I just want that. I don't know about that. And just, I just want 
him to listen to me. I, don't, I think anyone would be creeped right? out by that, though. But then reality shows up like this guy. He shows up. He's like, you're going to be my main objective. I'll listen to you. Yeah, but you're it's not like everything to me. You don't and know the like, guy. Ew. Creep. It's you don't know the guy. You can't just like trust a random guy. He's going to say that. Exactly. It's going to have locked you in a cage by the end of the week. Yeah. Seems like you're on the other side, though, <laughs> by what you're saying. I don't know. Devil's avocado. What are you going to do? Yeah, you're a you're a you're an enigma. I gotta say, why you you're like you're like I don't know. You like play every side. Me? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good to have these conversations and discussions. Yeah, play every side. Okay. At least think about it. But you seem like so serious when you're saying it. It's not like you're just like doing it for fun. No. You seem really serious about girls. That's the acting. Being ungrateful about creeps coming up to them and offering their love. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I know. I laugh about it. That's what I do. Man. Oh, Mercy. Is that the one that Joker Man is on, or is that a different album? Oh, my shirt. Yeah. All right. So, those listening, we have no video anymore. He's wearing a Bob Dylan O Mercy shirt. So, I'm wearing my Bob Dylan O Mercy shirt. Uh, Yes. So, let me answer your question. No. You're talking about Infidels. Infidels has Joker Man. Sweetheart like you. Yeah. Don't yeah. fall apart of me tonight. Um, oh, Mercy has uh, Where Teardrops Fall, Man in a Long Black Coat. That's still in a still this Christian period? Most of the Born time. Again? No, this is way, way. This is 89. Oh, after. So I think this Christian period had to have ended in 82, 83. Because if Infidels has like Christian you know moments but not really it's but always there in his early records this but, is his know. best album in my opinion so really yeah it is controversial opinion but there you go no it's not it won it won 1980 when it mattered for all the millennials and gen zers out there when it mattered it never mattered. grammys yeah it never mattered yeah it did i did yeah it did back in that? the day what was, that? what was the difference between down and back now? in the day it mattered like in the 80s and 90s it mattered Right? Didn't it matter at one point? No, it never mattered. All right, so Grammys. when it didn't matter, it never mattered, and who the <laughs> fuck cares was nominated back then and now. Okay. One best rock album, I think. Ooh. Talking about I can't that. believe 1989 in that one best rock. That's just yeah. ridiculous. I'm trying to remember other ones that were nominated, but I don't know. But uh, in my opinion, it's the best one. Because, look it up. you know. Um, yeah. What? Why, is it, why did it matter? What was? Uh, why is it the best? This one, this album. Yeah, because it's every. It's fucking. Uh, how would I describe? So we're going on about Oh Mercy, Bob Dylan. If I would have known this shirt would attract so much attention, with not only Boris but people, like people, like I used to work at a place and people would stop me and be like, "Hey, dude, your shirt's cool." I'd be like, "Oh yeah," and then like one time I had this like twenty minute conversation with this old Dylan. It's usually old people that stop me. Because it's hardcore Dylan fans, they usually go like, "Oh, hey, like that's an amazing record and it's underrated." I go, "Yeah, I know. It's it's probably his best album." So why is it his best album? Because of Daniel Lenoir, the producer. He did. Uh, he was coming off of YouTube's Joshua Tree. So uh, Dylan, in connection with Bono, Bono hooked him up with Daniel Lenoir, and then uh, Dylan made the record with. Uh, Daniel Lanois, and it's a completely different sound. 
when you listen to it, it's probably it's years ahead of its time, in my opinion. Uh, because Dylan was going with that 80s sound, that awful dreaded 80s sound with like um, like Empire Burlesque. It's like one of his worst albums, in my opinion. Just a terrible, terrible album. Uh, granted, it does have Dark Eyes, though. A great acoustic track. So He likes it. Which one? Empire Burlesque? Yeah. Doggy man. He's going through a good one right now. He's like, Empire Burlesque, man. It's my album. Don't talk that shit, man. Don't talk that shit around here. Or I don't like, see anything about a Grammy, but I saw it. it's number 44 on the best albums of the 80s, Rolling Stone. Um, Got good reviews. Yeah. Hailed as a comeback after his Yeah, it's hailed as a comeback. After album. an unsuccessful stre- string of albums in the 80s. Yeah. For some reason, it's not. It's. It's. Uh, let me see. What's the matter, doggy? Joker man. Joker man. Joker man. Joker man. Shh. Yeah, I guess Joker it would. Which one am I thinking of? I'm probably thinking of. Could have been. Um, could be time out of mind. Oh, yeah. Because Time Out of Mind... It's even weirder. What year was that? 97. Because Time Out of Mind... What are they doing over there at the Grammys? Best rock album. Which one? Time, time out, of man, e- out of Mind? Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, that one. That's the one I'm thinking Doesn't of, too. Doesn't make any sense. Um, time Out of Mind is considered like a twin album. to like Because Daniel Lanois produced that one, too. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah. That's another good one. That's probably that's a that's my second favorite. I'd say. Really? Yeah, it's got hits, man. It's got dirt. Uh, let's you like got, the later let's records. What's one? You like the later records he made? Uh, I, it depends on the era. Oh, okay. Honestly, because I like I like I like you know, like I like New Morning. Yeah. I like John Wesley Harding. Ooh, obviously, country. Blonde and Blonde, right? Um, yeah, yeah, Blonde on the Tracks. But those are like down there. Like Blood on the Tracks is good, but yeah. only the Bootleg series, like B side, acoustic, acoustic only. Blood on uh, the Tracks. The I think it's the Minnesota sessions or the New York sessions that he did, where it's just him and acoustic with yeah. minimal backing band. That's the way to go. The full Blood on the Tracks from that was released as an album with the full band. I don't think that's it's a good record, but it's not as good as the acoustic only stuff. So controversial. Um, I think it's not controversial. What was I saying? Oh yeah, Oh Mercy, comeback album, right? Um what else? Yeah, it's just got a great sound. Disease of Conceit, that's a great song most of the time. Um, I don't think Antoine Donnell would like Bob Dylan. Do I think he would? I don't think I'm so. I'm trying to think of what movie I saw with him in it. I don't know if it's him, but there's a French New Wave yeah. movie. It must have came out in sixty eight or sixty seven because one of the characters is reading mm-hmm. a newspaper and it says Bob Dylan arrives in France. So it was oh, like yeah. during that 66 tour. It must have been April or May. It was probably like April. And uh, it's one of those scenes. He was holding, like, one of the characters is holding a newspaper. And it's like clearly in plain sight. Like the dog wanted the audience to see it, you know? Yeah. But, but he got booed there. Probably. Yeah. I think that was the show he, Dylan showed up with a giant American flag behind him. So, French the French people are pretty stuffy, you know. I don't know. It's in Paris, yeah. 
But yeah, uh, if anybody hasn't heard Oh Mercy, check it out or Time Out of Mind. Because Oh Mercy. Oh Mercy is like, yeah. it's weird because it's not weird, but uh, the following album, Under the Red Sky, released a year later or a year and a half later, it sounds terrible. He went back to that <laughs> 80s sound. Yeah. He, he just, he just, then he did uh, World Gone Wrong and somewhere around there, and that's an acoustic only, and that's a better album, but. Um, but yeah, 97's Time Out of Mind, though. That's a that's a damn good album. And ever since then, the albums have kind of sounded replicant to Time Out of Mind when you listen to them. So, but like Love and Theft, that's another one. That's like a that's kind of like a like another sequel to Time Out of Mind. But there but you yeah. go, folks. Yeah. Every time I wear this, though, I have like Dylan conversations with people. Like, people love Dylan. Some people do. Some people, people don't. Are, some people are just like, oh, I like the shirt, the design. I was like, he hasn't blown up on TikTok yet. The design. I'm like, yeah, the design's cool, but the album's amazing. So, um, it's about time he blew up on TikTok, I think, you know. Which one? Like any of his songs. Maybe. I don't know. Like, we'll I don't know, like one of his like, weird songs, like, you know, All the Wild Horses or something. Is that what it's called? No, I don't think so. It's the one when it's like he's like yodeling. As. Yodeling? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably fucking Nashville Skyline if I'm going to put my money on it. I don't it. think he's yodeling in that one. I have no idea. It's one of like self-portrait. It's the first track, I think. What's it called? It's not about horses. Well, yeah, it's New Morning. No, it's, a, it's one before. It's the uh, one that everyone hated when it came out. Self-portrait? Yeah. I love that album. Yeah. That's a damn good album. The first track. It's like something about horses, but yeah, it's like it goes a weird all, song. all the tired horses in the sun. How am I supposed to get my riding done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should blow up with the backing out. with the backing uh, band. Some like eighteen year old. All the tired horses in the sun. How am I getting my... That's a damn good song. I like that one. It was like going off about like injustices and working conditions and Amazon soundtrack to that song, and then everyone listens to it. They're like, oh, like, look oh at this. yeah, Bob Dylan. Yeah, nineteen. This, this is, guy. That's the lost period. He's really woke. That's he was the, the lost period, guy in the man. 60s. That's the lost period of Dylan right there. Considered, but I don't think so. I think that's a great era, self-portrait. That's a damn good album, yeah. too. It's one of my favorites. The outtakes of that one, too. The Bootleg series, that's fucking great, dude. You're deep into Dylan. Me? You're a deep Dylan fan. Yeah, you I know. I know, way. like, War on Drugs, like Adam Granduchiel, the singer. He's really into Time Out of Mind. He loves yeah. that album. Uh, I was surprised when he's not surprised because he's a Dylan guy. But yeah. like, um, he mentioned like "Standing in the Doorway" as a great song from "Time Out of Mind." I was like, "Yeah, that is a fucking great song." Um, what else? I mean, but I don't know. You know, you gotta. It's hard to find Dylan people around, like like hardcore Dylan people, like we're in their twenties. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's tough. It's a lot to go into because it's like it's Gen of, Xers know what's up, though. It's like, a lot of material. Usually Gen Xers, they know what's up. And then boomers are usually kind of bitter and nasty. But then, like, Gen <laughs> Xers are like, hey, man, you, dude, you got to listen to the old Mercy outtakes. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great, man. And I name a track. I'm like, dude, man, it's fucking great, man. Born in Time, it's a great song. I'm like, dude, Born in Time's amazing. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. There you go. I bet you guys didn't expect that. So you'll get, like, a whole Bob Dylan primer in your Stolen Kisses episode. But there you go. Yeah, there you go, man, the rambling. I'm trying to know wouldn't like Bob Dylan, though. He did? He wouldn't like Bob Dylan. Like when um, no. Times Are Changing would come out, he'd be like, what's this shit? Yeah, because those guys are into like Isn't old. Isn't Like old, like yeah, like orchestra. Yeah. 
you know, compositions and stuff and like, like you know, bow ties. Yeah, into that stuff. Books. Yeah, like Charles Bukowski hated fucking. He hated anything rock and roll. Yeah, it's he's sad. Like, I hate right? this shit. He's like, this is he's the jazz, right? It's his thing. Nah, like jazz and like orchestra stuff, like fucking old, like classical music. It's funny how that happens. Granted, he was old though by the time. Yeah, he's fucking eternal. By the time rock and roll broke, he was probably already like thirty something, yeah, maybe. He was already on the older side, so thirty six, like, probably thirty five. Like, Give me Tony Bennett or something. He was like, dude, where's the fucking? Where's the class? Where's, yeah, where's man. the swing? No, I think he hated that guy too. He probably hated everybody, but you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, he hated everyone. It's true. Yeah, he hated everyone. Just wanted alcohol and you know. Antoine Duanel. And you know, um, I think time's come to you know end the podcast, go our separate ways. I guess uh, if we don't see, if you don't hear us again, you'll see what you'll you know what happens. Whatever. <laughs>